Hey there, I'm Amy, and welcome to the podcast, Fearlessly Facing 50. This podcast is about conversations and connections, and my mission is to encourage women over 40 to live their best life. You know what, ladies, we haven't peaked yet, and we are just getting started. So if you're ready for some real talk with real people and real conversations about what really matters, you found the right place. I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's get started. Let's get real. Hey there, I'm Amy and welcome to Fearlessly Facing 50. Thanks for tuning in to the episode today. And you know, like I start every episode, I say the same thing. This is going to be a great episode. And it is. Honestly, doing this job is a little like Groundhog Day, because I I interview these incredible people, I share these stories, and I walk away and am so filled with just empowered to take the next step or so excited to share the information that I learned with you that it's actually, it's it's a challenge for me not to drop the episode the next day after I meet, after I have my interview with these incredible people. Today is one of those incredible people. And before I even start the interview, I have to say what we're talking about today is money and finances for your future. You know, and and that right there, I actually kind of have to take a deep breath because it's been a goal of mine for a long time. And those that know me well, and I think I've been pretty much of an open book on this podcast that finances make me really nervous. Like I want to learn about making investments for my future. And so this podcast was so great for me personally. And I know that you are going to get as much value from it as I did. It's amazing. So without further ado, I am going to turn it over to Jean Chatsky Jean is the CEO and co-founder of Her Money. She's an award-winning personal finance journalist. I'm sure you've seen her on the Today Show or on CNN or Oprah and Friends or heard her on the radio. She's amazing. She's a best-selling author, and she's dedicated most of her professional life to helping people understand money issues and promoting financial literacy. And the best thing, if you listen to this, podcast, which I know you will, at the end, I have two winners because I have two of Jean's latest books, Women With Money, to give away. And I'm so excited to share those with you because I read it and it is dog-eared and it has post-it notes stuck everywhere. And I have chapters that I've like highlighted a million times. The book is amazing. So here we go. Grab your wine, grab your coffee, take your dog for a walk Go pick up the kids, whatever you're doing, sit back and enjoy the conversation with Jean Chatsky. Thrilled to have Jean Chatsky on the podcast today. You know, it's funny when we talk about things at Midlife and Beyond, you know, we talk about all the biggies, menopause, aging parents, getting back into the career, but something that is a topic that's top of mind for a lot of women is finances. So I am thrilled to death to have to have Jean on the podcast today. And it was interesting because this morning when I woke up, I 
always go through and, and check emails and messages. And uh, one that I wanted to share before we got started was a message from a woman in Wisconsin. And she said, you know, 17 years ago, Jean did a segment and it was all about the You Promise cards. And when her first went off to college, there was $19,000 in that account. And she said, I am so thrilled that you're talking to Jean because she is a guru. She's just so smart. So Jean, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And, and thank you to your listeners for, um, for such a nice message, especially because I grew up in Wisconsin. So I'm always thrilled to hear from people from Wisconsin. But um, there you go. yeah, that you promise card was really, really powerful. It just sort of shows if you put all your rewards in one place, right, and you just let them roll, what can happen? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I just yeah. thought that was a great way to start the day because there's, and it's a new year, you know, it's a new year and people are like, you know what, it's time. It's time to start doing some financial planning. So tell me a little bit about your background and, and when you kind of got the money bug and the passion for helping people navigate, you know, through their finances. I, um, I'm a journalist by trade. So I grew up um, wanting to write um, I went and worked on my college paper, came out of college and just wanted to get a magazine job. And the right. one that I got was as the assistant to the business editor at Working Woman magazine. Really? Oh, interesting. Yeah, which, which doesn't exist anymore. Right. And, um, but was a really good fit for me. I was kind of a math geek as well in, in high school. And Where are you? I, okay. I learned from my first boss, um, how powerful numbers could be when you were trying to tell a story. And so when I was ready to leave working woman, I wanted to go into business journalism. That was, that was sort of how I directed myself. Oh, and that's awesome. I had a little bit of a tough time finding my footing people in big business magazines and the, the Forbes and the fortunes of the world didn't really think working woman was a real magazine or at least right. a real business magazine. So I couldn't get hired. I ended up working on wall street and equity research for a few years, okay. um, but eventually found myself at Forbes as a fact checker, which is a job that every journalist should have because really? it's the best way to learn how to be a good reporter. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and started writing some personal finance stories, eventually moved to Smart Money, which was a magazine completely devoted to personal finance. Oh, sure. I was the big and, subscriber. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I just loved it. I, I, I loved it, I think, for two really um, different reasons. One, I was learning things that were helping me fix my own financial life. And that felt really good because I, yeah. I was not innately good at this. I right. Um, right. had credit card debt. I didn't really get my 401k. I, you know, I made a lot of classic mistakes and I right. liked that I was fixing myself. Yeah, um, that's amazing. Work in progress. Other, yeah. yeah we all are. The other, <laughs> the yeah. other thing that, that was so... Um, interesting to me was talking to people all over the place about their financial lives. I did. Right. I didn't do a lot of reporting on um, nuts and bolts. I did a lot of reporting on people and money and real people and how they use their money and struggle with their money and what they need to handle their money better so that it can become a tool that helps them achieve the lives that they want. Mm. And um, putting those two things together really um, became sort of a, a bedrock and a, and a good home for me. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. And I'm sure it was a male-dominated field. Oh, well, you know, interestingly, the magazine wasn't. Okay. But when I when I got picked up on the Today Show, when I started doing television, I was I was at um, Smart Money, and I have always thought that the reason that I got my job, or at least one of the reasons that I got my job on TV, was because I was different. Um, yeah. Was because people were not used to hearing financial advice right. and financial information coming out of the mouth of a, um, you know, relatively young, I was about 30, um, wow, that's uh, fantastic. relatively, you know, um, woman. Yeah. And you made it relatable. I, you know, that's and the applicable. journalist, right? Yeah, he, I absolutely. Bet if I, I had to understand it so that I could apply it. And once I could apply it, I could explain it to other people. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. So one thing that women really struggle with, I think, is having the confidence to know what to do with their money, how to manage it. Can you shed some light on, you know, that that what can be a daunting subject? I have to be honest, it's a bit daunting for me. I'm not a numbers person, so it's it's a challenge. So we don't lack confidence at all, I think, when it comes to spending. Uh, um, right. Right. It's we true. make 85 true. and not just not just um, not just small purchases, but, you know, Cars and homes. We right. we buy as women. We buy about eighty five percent of everything, and we are confident in that. We know we're smart shoppers. We know how to right. do our research, and we can get to what we believe is the correct answer. Yeah. We lack confidence when it comes to investing our money, yes. and that's because in investing there is often no perfect answer. There's mm -hmm. no place, it, no matter how much we educate ourselves, and we can educate ourselves to death. Yeah, true. We can't get to a point where we make what is the what is a really good decision and the markets don't go down tomorrow, right? right. We can't control right. that. We can't control interest rates. We can't control what is happening in the political environment. Um, yeah. And so, and yet we have to invest. We right. have to, because if we leave our money sitting, even in a high interest rate savings account, it is not keeping up with taxes and inflation. So it's putting not, it in our underwear, underwear drawer is not a good idea. No, <laughs> I mean, quite frankly, I keep a little bit there just in yeah. case, you know, one day all the, don't tell anybody, one day all exactly. the ATMs go out. Yes. But, um, yes. <laughs> but I think that we need to... We need to become more confident as far as our investments are concerned. And and partly that means acknowledging that most of us at this point, because we have 401ks or IRAs or other work-based retirement accounts, right. we already are investors. Yeah, and if true. you look at your returns over the last decade, we've been doing a really good job. Right. Yeah, we've been we've yes. been auto, automatically contributing through our 401ks. Yes. Maybe that money has been in like a target date retirement fund where it is in a portfolio that is um, appropriately allocated for our age mm -hmm. um, and our mm -hmm. distance from retirement. Um, the, the target date funds are where most um, big 401k plans are defaulting people these days. Right. And and we're doing OK. And what we need to do to boost our confidence as investors is take a look at that and acknowledge that, yes. you know, we're doing it already. We're doing fine. Maybe as, um, 
as we age and as we get to the point where we're getting closer to retirement, we're going to have to make some additional decisions about how we want to invest our money for the future. Um, We can, we can do our own research. We can ask smart people. We can get some advice. Um, What we can't do is abdicate from those decisions. Yeah, true. And you know, there's so much power in that statement about investing. It really is. And taking the time to learn about it. And there are resources out there. I mean, there oh, are. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I many. Mean, we talk about it a lot on, on our podcast, which yes. is called Her Money, and our website, hermoney.com, in our newsletters and everything. Yeah. Um, we've got a, a private Facebook group where we have women answering each other's questions every it's day, fabulous. thousands yeah. of them. So, Isn't that amazing? You know, it's, it's power. Are, yeah. Yeah, there are lots, there are lots and lots of resources out there. I think this is just one of those areas in life where we have to be okay with um, the good enough. We have to be okay with a little bit of volatility, um, understanding that if we've got time on our side, um, and even if you are going to retire tomorrow, you have decades, you have decades to live. So so we've got a lot of time to weather the volatility of the markets. And if you if you can't handle the volatility, the answer is not to take all of your money out. The answer is to just take a little bit out little to bit. make yourself mm-hmm. feel better. You right. move a little bit more to safe havens, to, to a fixed income, to yeah. make yourself feel better knowing that if the markets do take a big tumble, you won't lose as much and it won't take you quite as long to come back. Exactly. Boy, that's that's wonderful. That's empowering. Just with what you said in these first few minutes, incredible. Um, you know, should we have accounts? Oh, when, I get this question a lot from women. Should we have accounts in our own name? I think so. You um, think so? For a couple yeah. of reasons. I, I think every person, um, no, matter, um, no matter what gender, uh, needs the ability to make financial decisions on their own. Um, We need to be able to spend a little bit of money, save a little bit of money, um, invest a little bit bit of money, do the things that resonate with us as individuals. Um, There's this there's this weird thing that happens when people get married. You, You suddenly think you're supposed to have all the same goals and ambitions and wants as, as, as your spouse. And, you know, quite frankly, that's probably not what drew you to your spouse to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. You were drawn together because you were different, you know, because, um, so, so give each other some space to make some financial decisions and, and having separate accounts, um, enables, enables that. Um, but however, I'm not, I'm not a total, I, I'm not a, you must have separate accounts kind of a person. Mm-hmm. I, I like the fact that retirement accounts are individual accounts, because I do think when you've got money in these accounts, when you have a stake in the game, you are more likely to care about the game, right? right. You're more likely to yeah. play the game. Yeah, sure. um, and, and so it inspires us to manage it. But when I, when I wrote my most recent book, which is, is called women with money. I actually gave examples of about a dozen different ways people manage their money and their families, Mm, um, joint accounts, separate accounts, and, and they all work. 
So, yeah. you know, I did it purposefully just to say, if you come to, once you come to what is the right arrangement for you, right. then that's, right. then that's fine. You know, then there's no, fine. there's no rule. There's no rule about this. I, I would probably say if it's, if it's some, um, unorthodox arrangement, yeah. right. um, then nobody needs to really know about it besides you and your spouse. Right. Right. Exactly. Yep. Good points. How about this, you know, starting a new year now, a new decade, and people are thinking, all right, I'm going to start tracking what I'm spending. And that can be overwhelming. Is there, a, is there some way we can, we can get past that overwhelm stage and really start tracking? Because I think so many of us just, it's easy to put on the credit card. It's easy. To, and we don't realize what we're spending. I, I love that you asked this question. This is, <laughs> it is, and, and again, this is, you know, this is my numbers geek coming out. Right. If you've never tracked, tracking is magical. It is it is, really? Oh, it is I think magical. it's so scary. <laughs> no, it's, it's so, um, it is so empowering. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's a little scary maybe for the first couple of days when you realize, oh my God, Wow. My, you know, this is where, yeah. this is where the money was going. But once right. you get, once you sort of get beyond that, um, then you have the power to right. say, well, I don't want to do that with my money. This right. is not, this is right. not the choice that I would prefer to make. I'm going to make a different choice. And yeah, then, then you can see. What a good see, way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can see like, oh my gosh, the $5 a day I am now saving myself because instead of taking a bus, um, right. you know, the half mile between where I park and where I work or whatever, um, right. and, and spending that $5 a day or whatever it is it costs, I have that $5 a day and I'm going to, I'm going to move that money automatically into savings and Mm. I'm going to add it, you know, watch it add up. And that $5 a day is $150 a month. And it's, you know, all of a sudden you just, you just made a choice. That $5 a day choice is actually more than, more than a thousand dollars a year. So that's, that's the power of tracking. And if you've not done it before, Right. There are there are many many ways to track these days, right? There right. are there are lots of there are lots of apps and and things that can help you. Yeah. I would urge people to do it by hand for the first couple of weeks. Really? Um, Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's like pencil you know, either pencil and paper or uh, you know, I <laughs> if if you could see me, I could open up my wallet for you. I I keep yeah. a zippered wallet and I could show you that um, often it's to the point of exploding because I, I save receipts and then I, I can use yeah. those, then I can use those to track, right? You just, yeah. if you save a receipt for everything, then at the end of the day, you just put them in your Excel spreadsheet or whatever method right. you're using. Right. Makes if sense. You, if you use an app to do it and then you have to go in and tag your expenditures, you kind of, sometimes you miss the cash which yeah. is a problem if you're still a person who uses cash. Right. Um, right. Sometimes, so sometimes you, you miss the, the Venmo or, or other things oh, that yeah. you cashed Venmo. out. Yeah. Um, right. right. So, so it's fine to revert to an app, but don't start with one. Just, just go old school for, for oh, a couple of weeks. Yeah. 
And, you know, you think of how many times we record what I, what we eat. You know, we go on these mm-hmm. diets and we record everything. We can so easily do that with our money. So I'm going to start doing that. That's on my to-do list for 2020. Yeah, um, I think that's great. And I, I do think that the the connection between the diet um, and and the spending. the yeah. spending is is really, really significant. I saved for many years. There was a... Um, there was a headline on, on Good Housekeeping magazine on the cover um, right. that basically said the best diet secret ever or something to that <laughs> yeah. extent. And it was that's it's all it was. It was keeping a food diary. And yeah. and it's true. Yeah. This is this is the magic. If you can get yourself to do this, you can do anything. I love it. That's perfect. That's good. And it's something we can definitely do. Everybody can do that. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm going to be honest about this because this is a question I have. And, and, you know, I've been married for 27 years. We've a lot of people listening have been married a long time. Some haven't, but some have. And one of the things that comes up in discussion points is I was raised and, you know, I I didn't really have a concept of money raised in the 70s. You know, my dad was successful by the time the fifth kid came along. He was, you know, not traveling as much and was stable. And my dad and my husband, on the other hand, you know, extremely transparent about everything. And we've got adult kids now. How much do you talk about money? I mean, do you, do you, what's your advice on that? I think um, if you can get yourself to the point where you acknowledge that money is a tool to create the life that you want. Right, right. Then it becomes part of the everyday conversation. Yeah, it's it's a it's a limited resource and we are choosing how to use our limited resources. Yeah. And so I like to see it as just a part of everyday conversation, you know, yeah. not not a Ooh, we're going to sit down and have a conversation about money right. kind of a right. conversation. But um you know, as, as you've got young kids and you're taking them through the grocery store and you're deciding whether you're going to buy, um, you know, the broccoli or right. the string beans, yeah. you're, yeah. you're doing something in your head where you're like, well, broccoli's on sale this week. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, mm-hmm. so just say it out loud. Right. Yeah. As, there you go. as, as things happen in, in the news and you're having dinner or breakfast or, whatever meal you you have and you, with your teenagers um did you see you know the iphone came out today and and right. the lines were so long and what happened to the stock and um, oh, do there you, you go. think it's oh, going to yeah. be success you know would you buy this company at this point well what do you right. mean well you can own a piece of this company and all of all of those sorts of um things i mean with, with interest rates with um with with uh, oil prices and you know your kids yeah. are 16 they're driving cars they need to right. fill up the cars gas uh, you know gas is expensive at this point because why is it expensive well because we've got a conflict going on in the Middle East exactly. so so all of those all of those things become conversations and and right. then as they go forward you know as they start babysitting I mean I, I remember sure. my my conversations with my kids, well, how much should I charge? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And, and doing research, well, what's the going rate in this area? And should I, and if there are three kids, do I get paid more than if there are two kids, right? All of, those are all conversations that contribute to their knowledge base over their entire lives. 
Yeah, that's perfect. And you know, it, it, it's nice because it kind of shifts the mindset too from that teaching moment where they think you're lecturing to really a feeling of empowerment for them. Mm-hmm. Because they are operating from a position of power, then they're learning and they're they're you know that's that's great, very applicable. So that's good advice. Well, and I think the other important thing with your kids is eventually they will come up to you with a question and you will not know the answer, right? And acknowledge right. that you don't know the answer. Yeah, you know, exactly. acknowledge that you don't know, but that you're going to help them find the answer, right? Or that you're going to find the answer and that you're going to report back and then tell them how you found the answer. Yeah. So that, you know, because it, it is a bit of a foreign language. They're not really learning it at school. And so we have to, one of the tools we have to give our kids is the ability to ask questions, um, yeah. knowing that it's okay to ask those questions that, you know, you're not an idiot if you have questions. Right, right. Great. So let's go to a question that I got from a couple of women that were talking about reentering the workforce after, you know, a decade off or more. And how do they navigate the process of knowing how much they should make? I mean, it's very difficult for women to negotiate those, you know, and to initiate those talks. Any advice there? Um, There's a lot out there on the Internet to uh, that you can use to do some background research. Um, You can go to sites like Glassdoor and Payscale and Salary.com and you can um, look around for uh, the average salaries of these jobs that you might be applying applying right. for. Right. Um, you should also be talking to people, yeah. not necessarily people at the the company that you're applying to, but you can. You know, how Use much your would network. a person? Yeah. yeah, how much would a person with my skills get paid at your company? You know, what are right. these jobs? What are these jobs starting to, starting to pay? It's it's easier to ask the question in a roundabout way than to just say how much money do you make? I mean, yes. we yes. We're, we're fortunate as I as I watch um, Gen Z, as I watch my my daughter and and some millennials, sure. um, they are talking about this, and I, yeah. I love that they're talking about it. But it's 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 sometimes easier to to you know be asking for a friend um, right. than right. asking directly how much money do you make um and and then when you are in there and you are um you know in a negotiation see if you can get the employer to throw out what the range of salary is for this job um oh, often sure. there often there idea. will be brackets that are established yeah. um so that so that you can you know at least know where you're treading yeah, interesting. You know, it, I have a daughter who works in New York City, and um, the company now puts the payroll. I mean, everybody sees what everybody makes. Yep. It's really yeah, interesting. More companies are doing that now. Yeah, it's real interesting. So we're get, coming off the holidays, and a lot of times families are together. So aging parents is a big thing with women 50 and beyond. They're caring for their parents. When should they start talking, you know, with their aging parents about finances? Because there's there's a lot of things coming down after 60, 70, 80 that are going to be expenses for them. When should they initiate those conversations? Um, the sooner the better. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Uh, there is a, there's a rule that I sometimes revert to, which is uh, it's called the 4070 rule, which means if oh. you've turned if you've turned 40 or they're they've turned 70, you right. should have these conversations um, oh. or. And, and if you haven't, you can just say, you know, it's time because there's a rule. Um, yeah. yeah. But I, I think any uh, 
any indication of things sort of changing in your parents' lives? Right. Um, any any signs that that things are are changing? What we're trying to get a sense of is what the responsibility is going to be on us, right? Right. Yeah. That's yeah. that's we many people and and I am um, I think you and I are, are right about the same the same generation. Age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got kids in college, right. Yeah. That we're trying to get launched at the same point. We have, um, parents that we're starting to worry about. Sure. And we are simultaneously trying to save and plan for our own retirement. So there's yeah. three things going on at, at one, one exactly. time. Exactly. And when you look at what's, what can give in that equation, um, I can delay my own retirement, right? I can keep mm-hmm. working a little longer in many a little cases, longer, right? right? Mm-hmm. I can, when it comes to my kids, um, I can look at financial aid. There's, there's a lot of financial aid out there. Most kids get it these days. I may not want to do that, but I can do that. Right, right. Right? Yeah. If your yeah, parents need help and they have no other source of income, mm-hmm. um, you're going to help them. Because that's the one leg of the stool that can't that where there is no wiggle room. Right. Um, right. And so what we can do for ourselves is understand what's coming our way. Yeah. Um, do they have enough to um, do they have enough money coming in to, to yeah. live on? And exactly. and, you know, use your eyes as well as your ears. I, I know I sound like a kindergarten teacher, but um but it's if true. you are no, if you if you go to visit your parents and yeah. it looks like there's not enough food in the refrigerator, it looks like things are things that exactly. should be fixed are not getting fixed. Well, there may be some financial issue going on that you that you're unaware of. Right. Um, right. You know, start talking about where they want to live, how they want to live, how do they envision the next couple of decades of, of their lives and, and how can you help them achieve that, whatever it happens to be. Right. Right. That's such good. I love the 4070. Yeah. And if they won't talk to you, sometimes they will talk to their own accountant or their own financial advisor. And you just want to be in that meeting. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. I know. And those are difficult conversations. Those are tough waters to navigate because it's a role reversal. I mean, it really is. It's a total change. And, um, but I, it's true. The 4070, that's, that's a pearl for everybody to take away. Um, They don't have to be just like the conversations with your kids don't have to be these big, all encompassing conversations. The conversations with your parents are not necessarily one and done things. You don't have to, accomplish everything in one conversation you can you can you know you can nibble around it you can come back yes um, exactly exactly so how about our spouse you know or our partner what types of discussions should we be having because you know so many times they get to estate planning or they get to things that you just don't want to talk about because one you don't want to face it and realize that you're getting that old. And mm-hmm. two, they're scary conversations. But is there any, uh, you know, couple of hot topics that we should really be discussing with our spouse or partner? I think it's. I think so many of us are not at all on the same page with our spouse or partner. We think right. we are, right. but but we're not. Yeah. Um, and so I think instead of starting with the numbers, let's start with the goals. What do we want this year? 
What do we want in five years? What do we want yeah. in 10 years? Right. And right. once, and once you have those, those goals stated, um, then you can talk about what do we need to do to make it happen. And it's right. not a very, it's not a very um, far jump from, well, you know, what if something happens to one of us? Do yeah. have yep. we put the pieces in order to make those things happen? It's, it's, I, I am, um, I spent the weekend, not the weekend, but the last couple of weekends actually. Yeah. Um, updating this document that I put together for my husband years ago that um, is called a, a letter of instruction and suggestion. Um, oh. And uh, your, your, your older parents should have one of these too. Everybody yeah. should have one of these, but it's basically, it's not a legal document. It's, it's a, uh, it's a roadmap. My, wow. yeah. my, my stepfather calls it that it's really a letter of instruction, but he likes the suggestion part so that he can tell people what to do. <laughs> um and it, it, it's just a list. It's here is, here are the accounts, here are the passwords, here are the documents, yes. here's, here's where, you know, something happens, you call this person, this person, and this person, you look in this folder, this folder, and this folder, you, you know, so that things, things don't get missed. I've done enough missing money segments over, over the right. course of my, my, um, time on the Today Show that yeah. I know, um, you know, people lose accounts and, yeah. and there's a lot of money in them. And there's so, a lot of money in them. That's so yeah. true. Oh, and, and you do that. I love it. You know, you make things so real. I love that. It's just terrific to have you on because these are oh, things that we can you. do. And I love that you do it because you talk the talk and you walk the walk. And that's makes it so much easier for people that get nervous about financial situations to really feel like, wow, they, they're going to feel empowered after this. And I, that's so great. That's what this I, is all about. I hope so. But I also think they should know that, like, it's not always easy even for people who do this every day like me. Right. 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 It's, it's, I don't, I, there are times when I know I have to have a financial conversation with my husband and I'm like, yeah, I really You're don't want to do this. Yeah. Right? right. Or, or this, this letter of, of instruction and suggestion. I mean, he, he was like, I updated mine. You have to update yours. You know? <laughs> So I, so I did I it, love but that, it, actually, yeah, it, it, um, it's just, we, we keep each other, we keep you each keep other accountable. Yeah. That's what you need to do. Let's talk about these credit cards because every time now I just went to J crew I, with my daughter over break. And of course, when she's checking out, cause now we call her off the payroll cause she's, she is off the payroll. She's working on her own, but you know, would you like to sign up for this credit card? You're going to get 10% off and you know that everywhere you go. Do we do that or not? No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what I was hoping you were going to say, but that's what I always say too. No. Why do you, why do they keep doing that? I mean, everywhere you go, it's so tempting just to take because, it because you're going to get a better price, you know? <sighs> yeah. But once, once the credit card is in your wallet, first of all, store credit cards are among the worst deal on the planet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. The interest rates are no notoriously high. Crazy. Um, yes. And the benefits are not really that great. Um, right. I mean, if there is one particular store where you really know that you want to be notified of all the sales coming up before they're, you know, if you are determined that you right. are going to be able to shop the Nordstrom um, half yearly sale yes. and you know <laughs> right. that, that you must have a credit card in order to do that, well, then okay. But yeah. otherwise, no. 
that's what otherwise, I always think no, too. And, but... the, and the reason is it, it'll ding your credit score. Yeah. Right. Every every yeah. time every time there's an inquiry into your credit report, it dings your credit score. So yeah. so why do that? Right. Right. Great advice. There you go. How about online banking? Everybody should be online banking, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, and and you know, there's some people who are still still dragging their feet, but it's online banking is such a wonderful preventative measure to take um, in fighting off identity theft. Um, right. And that's because when you bank online, right? So there's there's no magic bullet against right. identity theft. Like right. I think everybody should freeze their credit. That goes an awfully long way. Right. Um, but the other thing that helps is noticing that your identity has been stolen quickly. Quickly, yeah. Yes, and if don't you don't you feel are, like credit card companies banking, are really yeah? Aren't they watching it closer? I feel like sometimes I'll go to Target, and then the next place I go, they're you know, they've fed a, a American Express or something has put a hold on it because it's in another state or, you know, something like that. They I feel like they're more into that or following it closer. I think that's right. But there's a big there's a very big difference between identity theft and credit card fraud. Mm, right. Credit okay. card fraud is a is a form of identity theft. Right. But it's it's a type of identity theft that if it happens to you, it's kind of no big deal. Right. Yeah. You you shut it down. You close that credit card. They give you another one. There are zero liability policies. Um, you take care of it, and and your life goes on, and you don't have to change everything. Everything. If somebody steals your identity, mm-hmm. and they start using your um, your personal information in order to apply for credit in your name, you know, mm-hmm. take out mm-hmm. a whole separate credit card that you don't know exists. Right. Apply for a job. Uh, file a tax return and get mm-hmm. your refund before you can get it yourself. Mm. That's big. That right? is big. Yeah. That oh, is absolutely. Big. And so, and that, that can be very expensive and very difficult to shut down. So that's why we do things like freezing our credit. So nobody can take out credit in our right. name using our social security number without us knowing about it. Know. Um, yeah. Paying attention to our, to our bank accounts, if somebody were to get their hands on your debit card and mm-hmm. were to, mm-hmm. you know, were to, there again, you've got protections in place, but it can take a couple of weeks to get that money back during which your life can become difficult. Mm-hmm. So, um, so online banking for that reason can, I think, be very helpful. It also right. is, it also is just, when we keep ourselves accountable with our finances, it goes back to the tracking that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. When you're looking at your money every day or every other day, you are going to make smarter decisions on the fly. Sure. You're yeah, not going true. to overspend as regularly because you know that you've just spent X number of dollars and you only have this number left. And so you're going to be smarter about it. You're going to be smarter. Yep, exactly. So what does financial freedom look like to you? <laughs> it looks like the ability to um, take on the projects I want to take on. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. To uh, to sleep well at night knowing that, um, that the people that I love are taken care of. Yeah. 
to support um, the causes that I believe in. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, It looks like that. You know, for a lot of people, I think it looks like not working. I'm not one of those people. Right. Um, Right. I I really love what I do and I want to be able to continue to do it. But I I want, um, you know, I want I want control of my own calendar. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What's the biggest obstacle you think, you know, it is for people to really get to to achieve that financial freedom? (sighs) I know it's a big Um, question. It is a big question. I think. I think the biggest obstacle is that the present gets in the way of the future. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that today, today seems so urgent and important. Yes. And it prevents us from um, putting as much into tomorrow as we, as we probably should. As we and should. so. You know, and so we help ourselves with that. We we automate savings. We we make sure that we save before we spend. Yeah. Um, we think about um, whether we're using today's resources wisely and whether we have to be using them, or or whether tomorrow is more important. We visualize what tomorrow looks like. Yeah. Um, yeah. We talk to our our spouses about what we want together for tomorrow, so that we can hold ourselves accountable. Right. Right. Do you manage your own investments or do you work um, with someone? I work with someone. Do you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I do. Um, and I have for, for many, many years and I do it for a couple of reasons. I, I do it for, um, I do it because I want another set of eyes yeah. on, yeah. on my money, much like a doctor sees a doctor. Right. Um, but I right. also do it because I'm really busy. And, um, and sometimes the things in my personal life, my money being one of them are the things that fall to the wayside. And I I just want to know that at those times when I am not paying as much attention as I should, somebody else, I'm, I'm paying somebody else to pay attention to pay attention, you know, so I'm involved in all the decisions and I, I believe that if you are going to use a financial advisor, that's how you should use them. Um, I don't, I'm not, um, I'm not for handing off all the decision-making power. Um, but I, but I do think, especially for very busy women, it's, it's, it's good to have somebody else on the team. Yeah, I agree with that. So here's a question for you. So if you were sitting on the couch and sitting next to you was you at 30 years old, what advice would you give your 30 year old self? Uh, I would tell her to, um, I would tell her not to worry so much that it's all going to be okay. Yes. Isn't that true? We do worry too much, don't we? We do. Yeah. We, yeah. we do. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I would tell her. I think I've spent an awful lot of, of unnecessary time worrying. Worrying. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. I always like to ask that question. So you've written so many books on personal finance. Do you have a favorite? Um, a favorite child. Um, I mean, <laughs> exactly. women with money was the most, uh, that's the yes. most recent book. And I, yes. I was, I really, um, there's a lot of, of, of me in that book more me than, I mean, there's a lot of reporting as well. Cause yes. you can't, can't I love take the, the book, rep- but I, it, that's my favorite. 
Yeah. And I have a few to give away, actually, to oh, listeners, which is going to be fabulous. Yeah. That's yeah. great. So tell us how you know we can learn more about what you do and how the listeners can get more information from you. So I would love it if they go to hermoney.com slash sign up. Oh, um, perfect. Okay. Yeah, you can, if you do that, and, and I'll also give you a text code. So they, if they text, they can right. get on I'll as well. Right, put it in the but, episode notes, yeah. Um, so if you go to hermoney.com slash sign up, you'll see where you can subscribe to the podcast. You right. can subscribe to the newsletters. Um, there, there are two a week. One is called This Week in Your Wallet, and it's a look at um, what happened in the past week in the world of money that you really need to know about because there's an awful lot of noise out there. And then, um, and then the her money newsletter goes out on Fridays. Uh, it, it is, um, it's a roundup of what we've done on the website that week. Um, we, we have a Facebook group, as I mentioned, a private Facebook group, um, where we've got, you know, 10,000 plus women talking about money, answering each other's questions, join us there. And, uh, yeah, become part of our community. We would just love that. And you know, those Facebook communities, I have one too. It's great because no question is silly. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to ask it. And there's so many incredible resources out there. And so many people have the same question that they're afraid to ask. So I love those communities. I think that's fantastic. So, you know, my mission with Fearlessly Facing 50 is simple. It's, It's empowering and encouraging women 40, 50, beyond to just to go forward with confidence, not lose their identity. So, you know, you have to push your fear aside and take the risk. So what advice would you give someone that's listening that's really nervous and uncertain about their finances, to be honest, and how they could put one foot in front of the other? What what would you tell them? I would tell them um, to do one thing today. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find when we do something and the world doesn't fall apart, then we become confident in the fact that we can do it again or do something else. It's a little bit of fake it till you make it. Um, so maybe you are, maybe your goal is to save a little more this year, just set up an automatic transfer out of checking into savings. Just do that. Mm, There you go. Um, and do it today and make it for every time you get paid and then, and then start visiting that savings account to see how well you're doing. Um, it'll, it'll add up and you'll have confidence. If you are feeling like you want to be a more confident investor, start signing on once every couple of weeks to your 401k account and just look at where the money is, look at how it's performing, pay attention. Um, Mm -hmm. because what Mm -hmm. you'll start to see is how well you have done. Um, and if you, if you want to, um, become more, uh, simpatico with your spouse or your partner, just yeah. schedule some time to talk. Yeah. Just put it on the calendar and put and it on the calendar. Just do, do one thing. I, I do have to say that I have found and, and, um, and I, I, I'm sure that some of your, your listeners will feel the same being 50, turning 50 and now I'm 55, yeah. but turning, turning 50 made me brave. Right. Yeah. I, I, so I had true. a really hard time leading up to turning 50. I just, right. I was not, I was, I was not looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, and it just, you, you can't, once you're 50, like you can't, nobody can scare me anymore. Right. It's a new right? superpower. It is. It's it a is. new superpower. I think so too. It's really great. Well, I so appreciate you taking the time because I know how busy you are and I know how valuable 
this message. I mean, I got so many pearls from it. I'm going to start tracking my spending, just like I track what I'm eating. I've got all Excellent. these good things for 2020. <laughs> but thank you so much. And oh, um, my pleasure. I hope to have you on thank again you because just very valuable. Have a great new year. Thanks, you too. I hope you had a pen and pencil ready for that episode. Although if you're walking the dog or driving in the car, I'm sure you didn't. But I hope it's one that you will replay because there's so many pearls in there. As we go forward with, you know, 2020 vision, looking and living forward as we're starting a new decade, you know, think about your finances, how you're going to invest, how you're going to save, how you're going to spend. It's a very empowering thing. So I hope that you found a lot of value in what Jean shared today. I have two winners to announce today in the episode. I have two books to give away, Women With Money. Jean's latest book, and it's The Judgment-Free Guide to Creating the Joyful, Less Stressed, Purposeful, and Yes, Rich Life You Deserve. It's a fantastic book, as I said earlier in the podcast. And the two winners, the first winner is Maria Newport-Jones, who listens in Boca Raton, sunny Florida. So congratulations. And the second winner is Beth Ann Corso, who is not too far from where I record this podcast in Connecticut. So congratulations, ladies. I'll be sending a copy of Jean's book, off to you. I also wanted to share that a lot of people ask me how I stay organized. And, you know, it's a lot when, you know, you're managing your day and your to-do lists and everything that you have to do as women navigating life. And one of the best things I found was a planner I've been using for years. And it's a woman by the name of Erin Condren who makes these fantastic planners. She does them for teachers. She does academic planners. She does all sorts of things that are fantastic. They're beautifully designed. You can have them monogrammed. You can make them any way you want, custom tailor them to your needs. But I'll tell you, it is a great tool for staying organized. So I'm going to link that in my episode notes as well. So, you know, all I can say is challenge yourself in a new way in 2020. Do something that scares you. Step outside your comfort zone. And, you know, each week I'm going to be dropping new episodes that will be sharing insight and value as we move forward in this phase of life. So until next time, go forth and be awesome. And we'll see you next week.